0: We are two friends trying to gain perspective on the remarkable world around us. I'm Jet Jones. I'm Mackenzie DeMaio. And this is Friends Fascinated. If you like what you hear today, don't forget to review and subscribe. This episode, we're going to deep dive into homesteading.
1: topic was very fitting this week because we want to run away into the wilderness yep pretty much and never ever
0: live this week again so do you guys remember back a few weeks ago maybe a couple months ago where we released our coronavirus episode and we
1: thought we were almost late Yep, we we're like, oh man, we're Should missing we rele- yeah. it's the
0: the big deal. Yeah, we were worried about releasing it cuz it just came out. People were just barely starting to worry that it would be like a pandemic and we were yep. like everybody calm down because if you're healthy, you'll be okay. Which kind Our of still message stands.
1: Absolutely still
0: stands. Yes.
1: Like there's updated information, but the general message hasn't changed.
0: Yeah, it's if you're young and you don't have pre-existing conditions, you're probably gonna be okay.
1: Yeah. Except this week, Jet literally had to bring me toilet paper because you can't find any because everyone's <sighs> freaking out.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what the scheme is like in bigger cities. So I can't even really imagine oh, it's what probably that worse. looks like. Yeah. Because controlling that many people would be mm-hmm. even harder. But uh, we live on the very east side of Washington State.
1: Yeah, in and a pretty darn small town. Yeah,
0: really small town. Like you would describe it as rural. Yeah, and so it's a college town, so our like general population fluctuates quite a bit.
1: I think with the students, it's like 40,000 yeah, on the high side. Like tops, yeah. And we have similar sized towns nearby. Yeah. But like that's not a big City by any means, not at all. We don't even have a Target.
0: Yeah, we have like three, maybe four grocery stores per town, and like only one is worth going to because they're all really expensive expensive. or weird. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, point being, Washington is known for being one of the like most affected states in America Mm.
1: right now. Well, we have experience that when you say oh i'm from washington people say oh it oh, rains no. a lot oh seattle yep. the space needle and it's like oh no that is so far from our life <laughs> yes we <laughs> but that's the same with coronavirus yeah that's where it's a big deal exactly
0: so there's tons of cases that's where it started out at least somewhere near seattle it was in that retirement home it's where it got going and a whole bunch of cases happened there Was that the first in America, actually? I actually
1: don't know. I
0: can't remember. I'm not so... Nobody quote me on that, but I think it might have been, or maybe it was just a big deal since we live in Washington. And
1: Seattle's a big port city kind of thing where a lot of ships and, you know, people come from other countries through Seattle. So it makes sense. Yep. Just like a week and a half before that, I just got
0: back from Chicago and I had to go through the Seattle airport. So I was a little like... "Mm."
1: Well, yeah, I was just at LAX two weeks ago. Yeah. Like, oof. Not where you want to be. Yeah. Spooky business. Well, and it's crazy because just this week, it feels like things have escalated so much because a week ago today, people were kind of talking about maybe Mm -hmm. not getting together in as big of groups and things. Like, maybe we'll just try and keep things a little bit safer. And now there is official documentation that says definitely don't be in a group of 50 and probably not a group of 10. Yeah. It's insane. So
0: the first... Scenario where it actually affected something in my life. And I don't know if our listeners know this about me, but I am an event coordinator. It's my career. And uh, the first thing I saw happen was we had a pretty large scale event mm-hmm. at our place of business. And I think we had, like, a 70% attendance rate when we normally have, like, a 98% attendance rate. Yeah, like people events. were dropping out yes. left and right. Yeah, I think it was, like, 50 people didn't show up or mm-hmm. more. Um, and that was the first time where we we're, like, they're overreacting. Like, yeah. I don't know why they wouldn't have come. This seems really strange, and I don't know why people are making this decision." Mm -hmm. And then it was literally a week later, maybe a week and a half, and then it was like, no one can have events. Mm -hmm. And then I work in a team of event coordinators, and all of our events from March until the end of April, and now it's bleeding into May, have been canceled or postponed to the fall. Which Which? is
1: crazy. Like I was asking my supervisor because we're relatively, I mean, we're young compared to a lot of people in the company we work for. Mm -hmm. And so we haven't had the career years of experience that a lot of them have. So I was asking my boss, like, has our company ever been through something like this? Have we reacted this way? Because we've been through like the bubble burst and Y2K and all these other things our company has. And he's like, no, we like, and he's been there for over 20 years. He's like, no, nothing like this is like, no one's reacted like this. This is completely new. Hmm. And so, in our everyday lives, I never even thought about that in relation to some other thing. I mean, like, we haven't been through maybe like a great depression or like those level things, but but I mean, we've been through like swine flu and Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, other sicknesses. And this is the first time it's, and everyone's been saying the reason it's such a big deal is because it the travels media. so much faster. Oh. And it – well, yeah, in the media. But it um, it has a – I don't know the correct verbiage, but basically a higher rate of – Transmission. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so that's part of why people are freaking out. And, I mean, it's good to practice good hygiene. Yeah. cleanliness. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think we're all getting a little bit germophobic yeah. now. And so – But, yeah, it's it's interesting to have that confirmation that, like, this is different. Yeah. Like, it's not just because we're young and haven't lived through it. It's like, this is a whole new thing.
0: Yeah. But the part, initially, for me, I was like, okay, people are overreacting. It's the media. It's all that. But now, I tend to believe that it's a little bit of a mix. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to get political or maybe very political. But I will say there's something... I wonder if there's some sort of correlation with the fact that the president of the United States used to mainly be a media influencer of sorts, where there's more of a sensationalization of stuff like panics or pandemics or Mm -hmm. drama or bullying or whatever, racism, (laughs) where it's kind of a snowball effect from leadership Mm -hmm. and media. And so, like, at first, it felt like just that. And now I believe in both theories that, I mean, to paint a better picture, for example, since we live on the east side of Washington, we have not even had a confirmed case yet in our small town or even in surrounding area. I think the closest they, case is about an hour.
1: Yeah, about an hour and a half, I think, is the closest one. And even that, like, I was surprised. Yeah, me too. To hear that one, because that's my hometown. And so I was like, oh, okay, well, it's it's, it's getting close. close.
0: But grand scheme of things, it's not in our town. Mm-hmm. But since we're in, we share the same state as Seattle, I feel like there's a lot of fear trickling over of, like, mm-hmm. what could be. Because it's kind of like... In some ways, it's nice because we have the delayed response of what they're already going through and maybe we have a little bit more time to plan. Yeah, Yeah. but that being said, for example, my husband has an almost full-time internship at an architecture company and they laid him off because mm-hmm. he couldn't be in a group of larger than 10, which... Which isn't exactly true. <laughs> ...is not true, like, federally, and the CDC recommends you're not in groups that big.
1: For but social if, events. Yes,
0: though. but the problem, like, there's so many loopholes of that, I don't there even want to get into it, but people, and that's what I mean about the media thing, is well, like... you
1: read that one little sentence, and it's like, no, you have to read the full context, and you have to understand, and just be mindful. Yeah,
0: you can't just, like... Make a split decision and end all be all because mm-hmm. so many industries depend on each other.
1: Yeah. And
0: now, for now, I mean, they said that he can come back maybe at the beginning of April. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nobody knows if this is really going to get better. So yeah. my question then is, okay, is my husband then going to get his internship back if only things get better? Or mm-hmm. are we just waiting for it to get better? And if it doesn't, what the heck?
1: Yeah, there well, and there's things going on like graduations are being cancelled, large events, proms. Like can you imagine it being your senior year and you don't have a prom, you don't have a high school graduation? All these things. And Dakota's classmates,
0: my husband's classmates are Mm -hmm. a lot of them are graduating with their master's degrees in architecture that they've worked at least six years to get, if not more, and they can't even walk. Yeah. (laughs) They're like I could not imagine that type of frustration and just, like, flop. You know what I mean? But, I mean, that's just emotional. So even if we're putting that aside, it's like people are making decisions about livelihoods. Mm -hmm. And my husband and I are, are pretty financially, like, comfortable, so it's not... We're not fearing for our, our lives or hunger, but I could not imagine yeah. working for a company. I mean, restaurants are different because they're having federally mandated or at least state recommended or mandated. Mm-hmm. Like restrictions on being open.
1: Yeah, because there's a lot of limitations to what you can do and how you can operate and you have to be business critical to be open, basically. And so I've been very concerned since, I guess, the beginning of this week was kind of when everything really started happening and the snowball really started going. Yeah. And so... I'm super concerned for all of the small businesses in our area. They already, I mean, with how small our town is and the fact that students leave for long periods of time, they already probably struggle. And so now I'm concerned for a lot of families and yeah. family-run businesses. And it's this just is the
0: economy as a whole. Crazy. I can't imagine Me neither. what this is going to do. And so anyway, I just got to wonder, is the economy crashing so hard because of our reactions and we're mm-hmm. overreacting to some things, like I understand some things, but everything is so interconnected that it's yeah. like, what the heck can you do? Mm-hmm. You know, how long can you lock yourself in your house by yourself?
1: Well, and it's one of those things that, and, and I feel like this is something that we've maybe seen or heard of starting to happen at work a little bit where there are cases where people do work from home if they have concerns. But I think there's some people who you hear that someone could have been sick and suddenly you feel feverish mm-hmm. and, you know, you, oh, my throat hurt a little bit. Was that because I had the fan on or was that because I'm yeah. going to die? Yeah. And so it's just the, the way our mind escalates those things and then you put that on a large scale. Of course, there's going to be panic and of course, there's overreactions with the way people are hoarding things from stores and well, yeah, acting that, like the end times. Yeah, that, that That's that the most so real worse. to me
0: was when... Um, I went up to Spokane, which is a bigger city near us, mm-hmm. and we went to Winco Foods, a local really big grocery store that we have here, and when we showed up, there were no dry goods, there mm-hmm. was no bulk food, and if, I know a lot of people aren't familiar with Winco, but if you are, it is so big. It's like yeah. the size of a Costco. They do a
1: lot of, like, bulk things yeah. so that you can buy, like, cheap bulk like you could buy like
0: 50 pounds of like oats if you wanted for probably
1: like five bucks yeah so it's an
0: amazing grocery store point being they were sold out of almost Mm -hmm. everything
1: well yeah i went to walmart on monday to get just a couple things we needed for dinner like a couple like i needed an onion and a can of black beans and a couple other things there were no black beans. Yep. The canned food aisle was almost entirely bare. There is no toilet paper, which <laughs> I had to ask you for help because yep. I was like, okay, we have one roll. Yep. Like, what am I going to do mm-hmm. eventually? And so things like I had to get creative with what I was going to put in dinner because we don't stock up for months. Yeah. Or even weeks on end. But it gets scary. Like,
0: so... People are getting, obviously, very judgy about why, what people's motives are for yeah, why they're yeah. buying up stuff. But I'll tell you what. When I was in the grocery store and I saw everything was gone, mm-hmm. I did buy a cup, like, two extra cans of beans
1: and yeah. an extra bag of dry I just rice. bought noodles because I was like, you know what? Worst comes to worst, I can't eat noodles yeah. for a couple days.
0: Yeah. and Because so that's I, all there was. Exactly. And so it's just... People don't, they get really judgy, but it's not until you're in the grocery store and you see that everything's gone. And you don't know when it's coming back. And you don't know when it's gonna come back, Mm -hmm. on top of the fact that everybody else might be doubling up on what they're buying because they're seeing everyone else double up on what they're buying. And it's not that you want to be greedy, it's the fact that you realize if another family has this food, it means I don't maybe ever have this food. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, and thankfully... (laughs) And it gets scary. Yeah, and so we do have, uh, we are in a small community and there's only so many stores and towns we can go to before mm-hmm. it's just farmland yep but thankfully we do have friends and people in the area to be yep. like okay can you please lend me some toilet paper yep. or a loaf of bread or a cup of sugar whatever it may be so thankfully it's not that bad but if you like imagine it, this goes for a few weeks of the store being been completely empty everyone's running out of stuff yep and no one's just giving it away it's scary. Yeah,
0: it's scary. And it, it's kind of like a mass effect. and mm-hmm. So who knows where this is going to go? Yeah. I pray better yeah. somehow, some way.
1: Well, and you and I talked about the fact that, like, we, this is the first time we've lived through something and seen these reactions actually play out. Like, Cause globally, we up, Yeah, too. globally. Because we've heard of things like the Great Depression where, you know, everyone is struggling and, I mean granted this is not the great depression by any means (laughs) but we were talking about it earlier this week that it it makes sense why if say this keeps going and it like people do run out of food and things it makes sense why for the rest of your life you might kind of hoard things because yeah i might keep an extra
0: toilet paper box or like costco sized toilet paper thing in my cellar now yep because you never know When you're going to need it, Mm -hmm. you know, and you just refill your stock if you run out type of thing because it's spooky. Yeah. I don't know. Try not to be too stressed about it, but Mm -hmm. point being.
1: I would say we're being pretty level-headed. I I think
0: so. I think so. I guess one more personal story about this that made it feel just a little bit more end-of-timesy and a little bit scarier. Um, Dakota and I are in a really small town and we... (laughs) Went for a hike the other day and on our way back home through our main street, which has like 10 businesses, uh, we saw a building on fire and had to call an ambulance or mm, fire department and have the firefighters come to put it out. And it started a huge fire downtown, an entire historic building basically burnt to the ground. Mm -hmm. It's like a brick shell at this point. And it was very, very traumatic to watch that unfold that Mm -hmm. night.
1: And your power went out?
0: Yeah. And so... Let me tell you how the day played out. My husband went to work thinking he had a job, left his job, knowing he wouldn't be able to go back to his job. Mm -hmm. We went on a quick hike to clear our heads. By the time we came back through town, a building was on fire. We got stressed, but we did like we were the ones who found the fire. We called 911. They came. They started to try to put it out uh they didn't they weren't able to completely put out the fire i didn't know i don't know if i told you this but the next morning before i went to work i drove downtown on main street to check it out again it was still smoking the next morning so that was like 12 hours later like huge fire you could see it from our house which i mean no one has perspective of that but we live like at least four blocks from this fire and we could see it from our house Anyway, our power went out at our house while we were trying to cook dinner that night and there was something about the fact that we knew grocery stores have more limited hours now so we couldn't maybe just go buy something to eat that night. Restaurants in our area are closed and for pickup only and have limited hours now and we didn't really have anything that we could eat that we couldn't cook unless it was like I guess we could have eaten our pineapple and maybe some apples which is fine. We wouldn't have starved, but point being, yeah. it made it feel very very real in the fact that I won't have access to resources I'm used to having. I can't depend on everyone else to have cooked food ready and made for me accessible at my fingertips as long as I had the privilege of having money to buy it. Mm-hmm. Um and so I was like, okay, Dakota and I actually have a plan to go out shopping tomorrow morning to buy things that are dry goods that we could eat if the power goes out because that mm-hmm. was very freaky to us. It felt like end of times. Like,
1: Well, and it's weird because with this whole coronavirus thing, like you don't think that you're not going to be able to cook. You just yeah. think you're not going to be able to buy food, but then you're in an, a situation where you can't cook. Yeah, And that's a whole different story. Yeah. Because you didn't plan for that. Well, picture this. So our town only has 2,000
0: people in it the power went out for the entire town and at this point it was about 8 30 maybe going on nine o'clock when the power went out and everyone in town started getting out of their house and looking out their doors Mm -hmm. at their neighbors like did that happen for you and then everybody could see the smoke and flames coming from downtown because so imagine a small town No lights on, no power except flames in the middle of the town. Oh, gosh. That's what it looked like for everybody. And so, like, moths to a flame. We all got out of our house and walked downtown to see what was going on. Jeez. It was very spooky. It was very creepy. Everyone turned out fine. I think only three people were, like, injured in the fire from smoke inhalation. And everybody's fine now. The business owners lost their business it was a really nice coffee shop so that sucks other than that everybody's fine but it Mm -hmm. just nothing prepares you for all of this chaos but then a fire also starts and then you're like oh my god like we're gonna go buy propane so we can use a propane tank and Mm -hmm. all this stuff in case we need to emergency cook outside for some reason so i don't know guys it's scary yeah but that's why we chose this topic this week of homesteading
1: yes because there's a couple sides of the spectrum there's i mean we've just had conversations about wow it would be kind of nice to be self-sufficient and a little bit off the grid Mm -hmm. and not be as dependent on your local grocery stores to bring food in that you have to buy it's like yeah if i'm growing some veggies and my chickens are laying eggs and maybe i have some sources of meat and things then you're fine yep And so kind of that perspective of, wow, it'd be nice to be self-sufficient in times like this, but also the idea of, wow, it'd be nice to be away from all of this and be physically just further away from the chaos. Yeah. But then there's also the, I guess, most dramatic version of this where it's the doomsday preppers (laughs) who they're not just, you know, trying to be a little less... They don't want <laughs> society
0: bound. Yeah, they don't want just some toilet paper and some they canned have a bunker goods. Yeah, with
1: like weapons, military <laughs> meal packs. Yeah, in and like yeah, weapons, and they're prepared out of pure fear. Mm-hmm. I imagine for anything from, I mean, bombings, a zombie to apocalypse, zombie apocalypse to hurricanes and tsunamis mm-hmm. in environments where they don't normally happen. Yeah anything and so like I can see why you'd think like oh it's kind of the same thing but the more I thought about it I was like those are so
0: mm-hmm. vastly
1: different that yeah the end result is they'd probably both be okay longer yeah. <laughs> in a really bad situation but the motivation is completely different yeah and it's a different lifestyle and mentality altogether yeah
0: for sure yeah because we're I don't want the lifestyle where I'll be doing drills on how to, like, evacuate my home, but the self-sufficiency is very appealing at this point. Like, Mm -hmm. especially the, it sounds so cliche, going off the grid, Mm -hmm. like, or starting your own microgrid at your home where you might have a solar panel or, like, a little windmill or water mill where you could at Mm -hmm. least generate enough power for a couple days or something. Like, if there was a a super emergency Mm -hmm. for some reason it sounds kind of nice
1: yeah because i grew up outside of the town we lived in and we lost power more than the average person and sometimes for longer periods of time and so there would be times that for example in the winter we might not have power and so we had a wood stove to keep us warm Mm -hmm. in the event that that happened and i mean that was our main source of heat anyway but then you know for example if your power goes out in the summer like i remember our mom always saying don't open the fridge, don't let the cold out Mm -hmm. because we don't know how long till the power is going to come back on. It could be days and you don't want your food to go bad because you keep opening the fridge looking for a snack.
0: Yep. Oh, yeah, that was the other thing. When our power went out, we had bought some extra protein from Costco, like Mm -hmm. just steaks and chicken, like frozen things to have around. Yeah, well, I was a little bit worried that the little bit of protein we did Mm -hmm. stockpile in our freezer was going to go bad if our power stayed out longer than 24 hours.
1: Well, and then the (laughs) – this is kind of an outlier, I think, for where we lived growing up is we had – our water came from a well. And so I don't think this happens to most people, but if the power goes out, the water stops working. Mm. And so you had like maybe a couple toilet flushes worth of water or like a little bit – of time to run the sink but that's funny you really we had a well shower. too so i
0: think yeah. i remember that so too. my
1: mom actually kept jugs like old milk jugs she would clean them and then fill them with water so that we could like in a pinch flush a toilet or we hmm. have like some were meant for drinking that were and so like, we just bath. had jugs of water yeah like in cl- like pantries and closets and stuff and so see
0: but now see before it all depends We would judge your mom but now we're like
1: mom pretty smart <laughs> like maybe i'll sp- <laughs> keep
0: some water (laughs) i mean yeah i don't see what's wrong with that anymore yeah
1: it's it's pretty crazy but even still like i haven't run like i haven't not had power this week so i'm like it's hard not to judge those people that are buying 18 cases of water because it's like you still have water like chill Mm -hmm. out well i've seen
0: both sides so for example i i think about people So the company we work at is really nice, Mm -hmm. and they are really smart and resilient, and they They are thinking proactively. Yes, and they have a plan for, like, everything. Yeah. They're taking care of us employees so stinking well, and I am forever grateful for that. Yes. Um, But there are people who are lucky, like you and Eric, where both of you work for a great company, Mm -hmm. and then also you haven't necessarily seen the repercussions hit your own Mm -hmm. life in that way and then i'm like i have a teeny one with my husband losing his internship but those people who have families who are like maybe you're a single mother who worked in like the food industry yeah like you owned your
1: own business yeah it's not allowed to be open right now you're in a bar yeah you can't serve to-go drinks yeah like you're out of screwed. luck yeah it's and we've definitely terrifying. thought about that because it, if it came down to it and our whole company said no one could come into the office i am very fortunate that i could do my job from home mm-hmm. and in that situation Same. would be allowed to eric's job cannot be done from home yep. so he would not have a job yep. essentially for the time being and so we have definitely thought about if one of us did lose an income or both of us what that would do to our lifestyle mm-hmm. and how long we'd be okay and that kind of thing and you always hear growing up like oh you should have a savings three months three months or yeah. you know however long but it's hard like it, it's so it just seems so unrealistic yeah it's like why would i just sit on that money yep just here's in case why. here's yeah. why and so uh, we yeah we have not had to deal with what a lot of people have had to deal with thus far yeah but My, the scary thing is we don't know we, yeah, the, like we don't have a clear end to like a light at the end of the tunnel yet.
0: Yeah, my point wasn't to like necessarily call you out or other people out, but I guess my my point was the fear levels yes. might vary based mm-hmm. on how what actual effect has happened to your life so far. Because mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, two weeks ago when nothing had personally affected me, I was kind of like life as usual. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna wash my hands for 20 seconds every time because i don't care that much and now i'm like i'm gonna wash my wrists like it
1: yeah yeah not gonna touch anything yeah like i so a lot a lot of people in our company still are going into work because we are a critical
0: infrastructure infrastructure business
1: and so but i am more thoughtful about like when i walk up to someone's desk i'm not gonna just touch whatever yeah i'm going to stand further back to because you don't know someone else's situation and if they're panicking about this yep. kind of thing. So you don't wanna just waltz in like you own the place and not be respectful of mm-hmm. their worries. yeah And there's also, um, with my position, one of the things that we've been asked to help with is help sanitize high touch areas. Mm-hmm. And so they're asking for help basically every hour. Yep. And Our so, team's
0: doing that too. Yeah.
1: And I've been helping with that and it's amazing just like walking around a building and being like, Wow people touch everything all the time yeah. it's like you feel like you just need to power wash everything yeah and it also like you clean some of those weird things that it's like oh you know like normally these things like who would clean a railing in a hallway but then you clean it and you see what comes off of it even though it's been cleaned every hour and it's still disgusting Yeah, like, yeah I don't want to ever touch anything again ever again
0: yeah yeah so I could see why levels could range from mm-hmm. people doomsday prepping to people going off the grid. And I think um, Mackenzie and I have talked about in the past um, maybe buying a plot of land near or mm-hmm. together.
1: <laughs> Completely separate from this topic yes. and these fears.
0: When we were planning this in our minds, and our dreams, uh, it was just like a happy thought of <laughs> yeah. let's buy – like. 10 acres maybe mm. 20 acres and then we'll split it in half Small and farm, we'll both some build some houses on it mm-hmm. and we'll operate like an event center on it and host weddings and do all this cute stuff and like maybe buy a
1: goat I'll but we we would never thought about what if weddings and events are banned yeah
0: yeah and so the reason we chose this homesteading topic is like oh my gosh this maybe we should be planning for how we can live off of the land and
1: just in case go
0: back like of course we have a general idea like of course you could raise a cow like you and i have Mm -hmm. had livestock animals type before but
1: i've never had the kind you eat let me tell you i am not butchering anything that i have been raising and feeding you would if you were out of food and you owned a cow i could live off eggs (laughs) forever i mean (laughs) i
0: want to learn those yeah. things and see what that lifestyle is like. Like, I, I was thinking to myself, you could have one of each, kind of like Noah's Ark. You could have your one rescue cow who maybe wasn't fitting in with the herd and you adopt him for your small farm. But if time got hard, you could eat your cow. Or, oh <laughs> I know that's gosh. depressing, but like, it is, you give him an amazing life until you use him as the resource that he could be it's kind of a beautiful cycle right and then maybe you'd have 20 chickens and you would have their eggs and you would never kill a chicken because chickens are amazing and then, like maybe you'd have an alpaca but guess what you can do with an alpaca you don't have to eat them i don't think alpacas even have good meat that Probably i not. know of
1: they're pretty bony <laughs> but
0: they're super soft so you could shear them and then you could have you could learn how to spin yarn and then you have sweaters and then you. Can do all these amazing things with the materials that you have Mm -hmm. without ever going to a store.
1: Well, and that's the crazy thing. The more I read about homesteading, I was like, oh, I didn't even think about all the things you could do. Like, because I normally think of, like, yeah, you have livestock that you eat or that give you eggs or whatever or milk and you have a garden and those kinds of things. But I didn't think about the fact that, like, yeah, you can spin your own yarn and you can make your own cheese Mm -hmm. and, like, well,
0: and it if you have as
1: long and as far as you yeah. wanted to,
0: and if you have neighbors who are interested maybe in that lifestyle, but they mm-hmm. do other things, like let's say one neighbor does honey, but you do oh, berries yeah. and someone else does veggies and mm-hmm. someone is a dairy farmer and someone does like Angus beef and chicken and all that, you guys can barter and trade mm-hmm. and help provide as a community that was the original
1: economy. Yes, and
0: come together in that way. To where you're not dependent on the grocery store being out of chicken breasts. You know what I mean? You can still eat. You can still be giving and caring for your fellow humans by sharing and caring in that way Mm -hmm. rather than people yelling at each other for why they're taking so many toilet paper rolls out of a grocery store
1: yeah but at the same time like you think of all the crazy stuff that's happening and it's hard not to imagine that that's what's going through everyone's mind right now but then at the same time someone today was telling a story about how so a couple of video games came out today and some guy went to go buy his video game and heard someone yelling at like an employee because they ran out of the video game it's mm. like so it's not all about the toilet paper and the milk right now. yeah it's also people like are desperate for entertainment well yeah it's just like anything uh, people still care about you know first world problems things. yep but it is a beautiful thing to think of living off the land and i, I feel like you'd have to feel more at peace and you know one with nature mm-hmm. in that environment and that's not everyone's motivation but i i think that's A really wholesome thing to do agreed and so i
0: did a little bit of digging on the history of the homestead movement and i guess it's a part in actual u.s history it's not i mean we've all heard of like homesteading as like a term or maybe someone kind of endearingly calls their home their homestead type Mm -hmm. of thing but it actually is a movement Um, it promoted the free ownership of land in the midwest In like the Great Plains area, and it was basically trying to encourage people to move out west and settle and cultivate land, and to get myself a little bit more context of what was going on when this homesteading movement of basically the government providing free land for you to cultivate it and like help produce gross domestic product in America and actually contribute to our economy was the goal, I suppose... Um, during that time in the Civil War era, there was mainly rich factory owners in the north and plantation owners in the south, but the average farmer and his family worked extremely hard just to survive. During the Civil War, life conditions were super hard for people and a lot of men were joining the army or were drafted and then women were left home to work on the farm or to find jobs or take care of the children. So things were super hard and you can imagine people were pretty desperate to, you know, find a way to live because let's say maybe your husband had a job and you were a stay-at-home mom but at that point you knew he might get drafted so you got to move out start a farm start learning how to grow crops desperately so that you guys can have a product that you can sell so you can feed your kids like so it seems like this homesteading movement similar to why this pinged in our heads right now is people trying to survive and i know civil war times were much harder like Americans today, especially, are living in abundance galore. Like, I'm oh, yeah. so privileged beyond belief right now. Yeah. I'm never going to take that for granted. But some of these ideas of like, oh, well, the world could provide if you, you know, used it and nurtured it to the best of your abilities.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But also, um, there's this movement that I found a little bit kind of trickling down my research. is called the Back to the Land Movement.
1: And I'd never heard of this.
0: I did once before, and I'll touch on this a little bit more later, but actually the Burt's Bees Company, their backstory was how I learned about the Back to Land movement. Basically, it's kind of cool. I think it happened around the 60s and 70s in America, and it was mainly um, middle class white folk. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And they basically, it was made up of hippies, who were sick of politics in general. They weren't necessarily people who were for or against something going on. They were yeah. like, I want to live my life free of all this mumbo jumbo.
1: I can get on board with that. Can relate.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, But it, I mean, again, there is some privilege behind that, right? Because yeah, if no. you're de- denying the political landscape, it's obviously going well enough for you that you feel like you don't need to think yeah. about it. If that makes sense. So, I mean, I can see that for myself, but nowadays I'm listening to the news a lot more because I'm worried what it's going to do to my life.
1: Anyway. (laughs) See, and I think I've had the opposite reaction where thankfully, again, we work for an amazing company and if something drastic happens, I I know I would hear about it from the company we work for. But outside of that, it's kind of like, I need a break. See, not me. I'm kind of incessantly checking up on it because I am scared. Well, and I know I'm an anxious enough person that I don't want to work myself up
0: to. Yeah. And I think this back to land movement is more of what we're thinking during the Civil War. The homesteading was more of a you get a plot of land for free from the government to try to cultivate it for a product, to help the economy, to help yourself. It's like a win-win situation. But the back to the land movement, it's much more hippie-ish. And um, basically, the common thread was a call for people to take up small holdings or just like small plots of land to grow food mm-hmm. from the land with an emphasis on a greater degree of self sufficiency, autonomy, and local community, as I was talking about before. It's basically kind of denying the industrial revolution or all these mechanical things we have in our lives and automation of products and industries and all that. And mm-hmm. I suppose now you could say maybe it'd be a
1: good way to get away from technology all the time. But, well, because people take vacations to unplug, so yeah. to speak. To kind of get back to the roots of like having deep conversations and like I mean Eric and I thinking about this just being a couple weeks ago that we went on a cruise is crazy (laughs) thinking about where we are right now. Yeah. Because those aren't allowed now. Yeah. But it was nice because you don't have service at sea. Um, The boat had internet but you had to pay for it so we did not use it. Mm -hmm. Um, Things like that and so being completely disconnected from our social media accounts and I mean granted there were still movies and that kind of stuff to do but like we read more we talked more things like that where it's like that's one thing I love about going on a vacation is unplugging Mm -hmm. so I mean I see the desire for that 100% and I mean there's mixed
0: motives behind it because in my research just a little bit of what I saw is it's a range of people from people who want to like have that sense of community Mm -hmm. and that like naturalistic mindset but there's also like the hippies and the religious like cult people who like get wanna, this poison out of my life. Yeah, they're uh, going a little far maybe and there yeah. isn't a balance. Like my bet, ba- my perfect balance would be, having a homestead with a very strong wi-fi connection no matter <laughs> where on my 20 acres i was very true i could like check my email
1: <laughs> i actually I mean? when i was researching Listened this to spotify topic, yeah when i was researching this topic i looked for accounts on instagram and sure enough there's like this famous account for like this homesteader family or yep. whatever and like they have a podcast and they're basically an influencer on Instagram, but still a homesteader. Yeah. Like, you know, that's the way to go. That, that would be pretty good because <laughs> thinking about it, like if they're an influencer and their podcast makes money, they're bringing in some income, but yep. also they can be self-sufficient if it comes down to it. So I think there's a happy medium where you're still plugged in, <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah. Best of both worlds, depending on what you're looking for. And there's risks and
0: rewards to both options. For example, let's say my husband continues on the career path he's on and he becomes an architect someday. That's a pretty like low physical activity type job where he's mainly using computers and like digital drawing tools and all that to do the work he's doing. Well, a lot of trouble that I've seen with people who own farms is that the main like worker on the farm or let's say the man of the farm who's used to doing all the heavy machinery and all the like big hard laborous stuff mm-hmm. they get hurt maybe that's they true. can't
1: take care of everything so I don't know well and that's one thing actually that I looked at so I I looked at kind of how do you get into this life of being a homesteader? And one thing that was brought up on in one of the articles was medical concerns. Mm-hmm. And so if you have a history of medical concerns or conditions in your family, things that maybe you need to make sure you have health insurance or mm-hmm. maybe you know that, say, you, for example, you have very bad arthritis that runs in your family – You need to take that into consideration because maybe this isn't a good lifestyle. You won't be able to dig ditches (laughs) every day, you know. So you have to be mindful of those types of things before you just gung ho jump in. And
0: that's why I feel like our idea is a good one because (laughs) then we have four of us on the same plot of
1: land. You have to have a little community. Yeah. Yep. Because you gotta be able to help each other out. Well, and if you look at societies that maybe aren't as developed as ours they tend to live in a more Mm community-driven life because they do take care of each other in those ways they do you know go get water for the whole little community or farm together out
0: of curiosity when you lived on your land Mm -hmm. at your main childhood home how often did you interact with neighbors or at least see hardly
1: ever. Like we would see him drive by, but I, I would say where we lived, like we did not have farmland, but some of our neighbors did. Um How many we, acres did you have? 20. 20. But we had it for horses, um not for livestock, yeah, that you eat or that provide food in any way. <laughs> yeah. Just the ones that are expensive. Yeah. Um so we had 20 acres and we had like pastures for them and things like that. Mm-hmm. But we did not Well, what about stuff? Okay,
0: so maybe I'm doing too much leading questions mm-hmm. because so, my main childhood home, we had 5 acres, but we lived in on this like private road that was kind of like a cul-de-sac road, dirt road thing, and everybody had roughly 5 acre plots of land. Mm-hmm. I think it was like a group of 6 houses or so. Well, there was quite a bit of overlap on how we ended up all helping each other. We we Oh, really? We everyone stayed pretty much to themselves for the mm-hmm. most part, but like for example, a lot of the time we would like share pastures like if someone was getting kind oh, of okay. long we would let someone else put their horses on our property yeah,
1: that kind of thing like that didn't happen regularly but i that kind of thing could and would occasionally happen and we got to eventually meet most of our neighbors like there was one kind of down the street around the corner that i ended up babysitting for um, for a while or you know even further away than that like they needed someone to feed like they had like pigs and horses and like dogs and cats or something and so see that's something we did too yeah take care of each other well they animals. paid me though yeah well but also counts. again i don't even remember how this happened i'm sure my mom got wind of like they need someone to take care of their house and she was like i have kids that have no nothing better to do yeah i could make some money because it was around the time i was like that was like my job driving in a nutshell out. too yep yeah and so like we knew the names of most of our neighbors but most of them had more land than us yeah so it's not like we could even really see their houses usually depending on how much land they had so they were farther away but Hmm. there there are things like that and i mean people would kind of watch out for each other like you would know if you saw a vehicle you weren't used to seeing around and stuff like that so yeah and and my mom is very social so she (laughs) I, i would say if i was in that situation i probably wouldn't have gotten to know my neighbors as well as she did but she's a talker so question what are your
0: like turn-ons and turn-offs for the homestead lifestyle
1: so i like the idea of having like farm fresh food and eggs and that kind of stuff that sounds amazing um i don't see a world where i could butcher my animals or even know that i was eating an animal that was running around my property before, mm-hmm. so I would I have I think a if you really owned a cow, you would that. feel different. <laughs> see, and I never have. I don't know, but I I would have a hard time with that, um, which feels very hypocritical <laughs> to say like, oh, I'll eat meat as long as I don't. <laughs> never mm, met yeah, it. Yeah. So, um, but but I don't think I could do that. I don't know. It. I mean, it's a lot of work. So see that that's, that's the hard. scary part for me. Yeah, is that. Could I commit
0: myself to the physical labor that a farm entailed? Like, could I really get up at, like, 5 a.m. to go oh, chuck bales of no. hay? Like,
1: look. And that was the one thing we, because we had horses, we would have to do that in the snow, get up early, mm-hmm. go out late, and, like, oh. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. I made sure I had a fence yard, so I didn't even have to walk the dog at night. Yeah. So yep. I I don't know if I'm fully built for that kind of lifestyle, So I like the idea of having, like, a a garden Mm -hmm. and pets that are pets and, like, chicken eggs, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But once it's more than, like, a hobby farm, I'm kind of out. But I would share, like, go in to buy a cow worth of meat or something. Mm -hmm. I just, I couldn't do it myself, you know.
0: Yep. No, I totally get it. There's...
1: Good sides and bad sides. I think Mm -hmm. you
0: mentioning insurance is a pretty big deal. But that's what I think. I mean, committing all to it is what I would never do. Like, I definitely would want one foot into the real world as far as it's someone having a job where they could have the insurance Mm -hmm. or kind of that stability. It's kind of like diversifying your funds, right? Mm -hmm. You got not all of your homegrown organic eggs in one basket (laughs) yes well and that's
1: one thing that i put in my notes was don't put all your eggs in one basket Mm -hmm. and so like if we wanted to look at the actual like recommendations and again these are all just like articles and blog posts but some of the things that i thought were like good things to think about of course i've mentioned the medical considerations but also like if you're considering this lifestyle you need to immediately stop accruing debt (laughs) yeah because there's no room for it Mm -hmm. and then you need to create a game plan for like Your livelihood going forward and then go forward with paying off your debt because ideally if you're going to live in this lifestyle you shouldn't have really any debt yeah and so i I would say a lot of people that live in this kind of environment or even like farmers for example there's a good chance they inherited their land and it's been passed down and they grew up on that farm Mm -hmm. and stuff because i I don't know how often they have mortgages i mean i'm sure it happens but it's just you got to be careful about that kind of thing because Who knows? Are you farming and doing those things to live off the land or to make money? There's a difference. Yeah. And then also you need to change your way of thinking because it's a completely different life. And you have to be ready for that and do your research. And you probably (laughs) should simplify your lifestyle. Yeah. A lot. Dakota and I, a while back,
0: when I was really like trying to think hard about what type of lifestyle I wanted we watched a lot of homesteader youtube videos See, and i'm and sure we this whole concept is
1: pretty new to me yeah like, you clearly know so much more than me because well okay i have this perspective so what happened was <laughs> oh no i
0: was on a plane back from some work trip and i oh watched, this was recent then no no it was like months ago that's
1: recent Months. Months and months. Yeah. I thought you were talking about like in college you guys got on a kick of like this is my future. No.
0: This was like less than a year ago. Oh. Anyway. uh, I was on the plane coming back from some sort of work trip and the movie Biggest Little Farm or The Biggest Little Farm was on the plane and I watched it and it like made me like cry. I loved it (laughs) so, 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 so much. And I
1: have not heard of this. You told me to watch it and I didn't in time. But I plan to.
0: And I don't think I'm going to talk about this movie pretty in depth. So
1: oh, I, are you gonna spoil it? No, like oh. you, this is it not a spoiler? This isn't a movie worthy? that you
0: could spoil. It's okay, a documentary cool. oh, about yeah <laughs> a husband and wife who lived in the city and decided they wanted to move to California and <laughs> revitalize and create like an all organic farm in like I mean. Starting a farm in California sounds like the most exhausting water battle you could ever start in your life. Well, and
1: I would be so terrified of the fires. Yeah. Ugh.
0: Yeah. Um, funny you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if that's one of the hardships they experience. Oh, no. But I think they buy – oh, yeah. I copied the synopsis. It says, A couple who are followed through their successes and failures as they work to develop a sustainable farm on 200 acres outside of L.A.,
1: oh gosh where how do you even find that much land
0: (laughs) no idea well Uh when they bought it they showed what it looked like before they bought it and it was like a crispy tumbleweed of 200 acres like it i think it had like a failed like dead orchard on it that hadn't been watered in like five years and i
1: suddenly think i've seen like a gift set of this probably where it becomes this like green lovely yes it was like an oasis yeah it takes them
0: years and tons of investment and like as that little synopsis said they have hardships and failures but like you see and of course it's a documentary so they frame (laughs) it very clearly for you but you see how for example one of their problems and i would never think about this is in their orchard they had to keep it really watered so that their fruit trees would grow fruit because if you don't water them enough the fruit trees won't make fruit and so all of this water and ground cover that they used to like insulate the soil with water was causing lots of snails to show oh. up, <gasps> oh, and the that's snails, not good for your yeah, and the vegetables. snails were eating the trees and fruit on the oh, trees goodness. and ruining their products. Oh. And so they were getting so frustrated, they resorted to either a natural pesticide or something that goes against their, like, sustainable I natural think, like, farm.
1: like, copper or something keeps S- snails away. I've I heard.
0: can't remember what they did, but it was something mm. where they realized that by using this pesticide, it would kill, like, all of the snails, but then... Because of all the all the snails left, it made the birds then eat their fruit oh, or something like that. And so they,
1: <laughs> the circle of life. Yeah,
0: and again, I this was like a year ago, so it's been a long time. But something happened to where they figured out that if they had, they built like owl boxes or like oh, hawk boxes. Yeah, and the hawk boxes scared the bird scared away the type of bird that wasn't eating the snails oh but left enough birds that were eating the snails that they could naturally use all of the birds to regulate how many snails they had on their property. So Jeez. they were basically happily using animals and like feeding them and nourishing mm-hmm. them to like maintain an
1: ecosystem. And, and it was just so think inspiring all the research that has to go into this and the well, understanding. Well just trial and error.
0: Yeah. Yes. It's insane. Oh my
1: gosh. Just like so in college I did this project that i ended up not learning that much but working with a girl our project was based around oh yeah gardening and things mm-hmm. like this is oversimplifying it but she just off the top of her head knew so much about like gardening and like types of gardening where certain vegetables are more compatible with other types of vegetables mm-hmm. and like this was gonna be basically her lifestyle yep. and how she makes money she but oh it's just amazing the things that you just don't think about when you're not immersed in that kind of life
0: yeah but it was very beautiful i highly yeah, recommend i actually think this documentary has bled its way onto netflix so oh cool everybody biggest little farm i think i'm gonna force you to watch that
1: you should. <laughs> i want to watch it yeah we should wrong. watch it together i just didn't yesterday <laughs> hmm, i wonder if that
0: could be one of our chick flick movies it's Ooh. kind of a it's like a heart warmer. Yeah, that could be good. It might be good. We'll think about it. We'll think about it. Um, but I mentioned before the Bert's Bee story. I thought this was at least interesting enough to touch on.
1: As soon as you said the brand name, I was like, "Oh, you know what? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it would have come from that. Yeah,
0: if you've seen the branding, I think it's like an old guy with a beard, right? That's Bert, the Bee guy.
1: That sounds right. (laughs) Well,
0: the story basically is: is this there was this woman. And she was one of the hippies that I talked about in, like, the 60s who decided she was kind of sick of it all and decided to go back to the land. And she got married and settled down. I think at, the, at that time she was only 19. Wow. Um, and she decided to buy a plot of land in Maine, which an acre of land in Maine oh, in the 60s so... was 100 bucks. And Wait, so th- whoa. Yeah. So they bought, oh, my gosh. They bought 30 acres of land. I think that's three thousand dollars like, or something. Is that yeah, yeah. I think so. Oh something like that. And so she had all this land and her and her husband built like a cabin and they lived off the grid. They had no power and they like had to heat it themselves. I mean, Maine would be cold. Yeah. Super cold. That's so true. they had to like keep a fire going and do all that. Point being, she started like the back to the land thing. She did that in her lifestyle. It's what she liked. She ended up having twins in that cabin Woo-hoo. raising them. All that. So, very like hippy dippy living in the woods, kind of Bushman type thing. A little more, a little (laughs) more like extreme than I would ever even consider.
1: Interesting. Um,
0: But eventually, her and that guy she was married to broke up and she started, she was like flea marketing and selling stuff to like get a profit on things to like survive, make Hmm. her money. And one day she bumped into this guy on the side of the road who was selling honey out the back of his car. And it was really great honey and they got to talking and she realized that he had a ton of beeswax left over. Mm. And so then she started making candles out of the beeswax and he started selling the honey. And then they started branding together and going to flea markets together and it caught on everywhere. And then they started making chapstick and then they started doing all this and making all these products. And it caught on in like boutiques in New York and people started loving it. And then as we know, it's a household name now mm-hmm. of like a natural beeswax byproduct healthcare line or not healthcare line an organic beauty product line Mm -hmm. with all those natural ingredients and it caught on well anyway so obviously they they got all the bounty out of the back Mm -hmm. to land movement um doesn't work that way for everybody and actually what ended up happening in the very end is that woman ended up buying out her shares because she and Bert I think they got married
1: I was gonna ask if they did
0: I think they did if not they were like life partners for a long time i don't really remember but she owned two-thirds of the company because he bert was basically like a honey guy a farm guy and nothing else like he <laughs> was just like i like making she was honey in this yeah show. exactly and so she owned like two-thirds of the company and he owned one-third and she ended up selling or buying his third of the company by hmm. giving him i think 12 acres at oh, the time interesting and he took the trade because he's like, I don't like this business crap. Like, I want to go <laughs> make some more honey and type of thing, go farm. And then I found an article recently um, about this woman, the former owner. Her name is Roxanne Quimbley. She gave away 87,000 acres in Maine to the um, Forest Service or um, like National Park
1: people that's nice
0: and she donated roughly 75 million dollars to the national park service that's Ooh. who it is yeah yeah here's the synopsis from the article the former hippie who took burt's bees from a rural maine operation selling at craft fairs to an international brand eventually sold the company in a two nine figure transactions in <laughs> oh, the mid 2000s
1: my gosh
0: yeah so she had so much money all from the
1: wax that bees make
0: <laughs> it's crazy wow. to think so anyway. do you even have
1: to do anything for bees like you want them around plants and stuff for pollen and they have to have enough water but beyond that like oh you don't my feed bees gosh. i don't know if i even told you that dakota and i went and
0: saw a movie at our local small movie theater the kenworthy we saw oh crap what was it called doesn't matter what it's called i'm not going to recommend it because it wasn't the best movie huh. but it was cool in a couple ways it showed this woman in some third world country or like underdeveloped country near turkey i don't okay. remember where but she was a natural bee keeper like she did it like the old-fashioned way where she would go and she, w- she looked like she was like 75 and she Jeez. would go hike up a mountain and find a crevice in the mountain full of bees. And then she would smoke them out using a little, you know, <laughs> thing of smoke.
1: Oh my god! And then she
0: would put them in her backpack. <laughs> she would just like, it was like this woven thing with like a strap and she would just fill it with bees and then take it home <laughs> and then put those bees into a crack of a rock Whoa. near her house. And then she would raise them that way. But I learned from that that bees need... You have to leave a certain amount of honey for the bees. Oh. Otherwise, they'll get stressed and they'll go kill other bees to Ooh. take over their hives. So, if you're not careful, I think your bees will kill your other bees and your other queens mm-hmm. in each hive because they're deprived of their honey. Jeez. Or maybe you don't care and you let all your bees die and you're a bad person.
1: Well, and the interesting thing is, like, they can leave. Yeah. Like, there's nothing keeping them there. So long. So you better take care of them. to careful. find a new rock kind of
0: crazy but i do think they're probably pretty finicky as we talked yeah. about before i mean things are pretty well and they and go. can die in
1: the winter and stuff too yeah. i think they hibernate but like it's easy things, to die yeah the conditions have to be right and they have to well, react properly yeah. to the situation or you have to
0: provide them the right ecosystem but maybe you're not yeah. a perfect beekeeper so you don't know that yet
1: well yeah you have to again be well researched and knowledgeable yeah. about what you're doing
0: yep so it's enticing i mean it sounds kind of nice to be specialized in something like caring for something as cute as bees <laughs> you hate bees i hate being stung (laughs) by bees i would love to have one of those um they have these beehives called flow hives and basically they're so you know those traditional bee like when you see someone open a beekeeping box they take Mm -hmm. out basically a sheet and it looks looks like honeycomb in a sheet well instead this is something that you never take the sheets out of but so bees make those honeycomb patterns yeah well, they build the honeycombs into it so that they don't have to use wax to make them. So maybe the bee oh. adds a little bit of wax, just like a tiny bit because yeah. they're used to it, but they fill those things with honey. And then there's a knob that you twist and it oh, I
1: feel like I've, yeah, heard of this or seen something about this before.
0: And it basically off kilters the hexagons or like the little beehives. Yeah. And it creates a little crack in it that doesn't disturb mm. the bees or anything. It just like
1: gives you all the honey. And it just
0: pours out the honey, but leaves enough where the bees mm. can still like thrive in there. I'd be totally game for
1: beekeeping. Yeah, someday so on cool? our little. I would love land. to have Dakota go get the honey out for me while I watch from far away. <laughs> <laughs> and have them be taken. See, but care honeybees of. are nice. They don't sting you just yeah. because. They only sting you if they think you're if actually you're taking threatening their honey. Them. well i don't know
0: oh yeah eric's
1: mom has bees and she's never like i've never heard of her being stung and she doesn't have like a full beekeeper outfit or anything Hmm. that i know of that
0: sounds terrifying and i would never (laughs) live that kind of life
1: I, I do, do love the, the idea. And that and point it. you
0: do the butchering. Mm, that's what the butcher is for. You just... <laughs> what what happens when you get a cow butchered is that they show up to your house with a trailer. They come pick up your cow. You say, buy cow. And then... Wait, they, really? Yeah. And then your butcher butchers the cow. And then it comes back... I thought the back. butcher
1: butchered their cows.
0: It goes either way. I oh. think they could butcher cows that they I buy and then you they could sell, sell the
1: meat. I mean, it makes sense, but you, I didn't know yeah. you could like you can raise send your your off your dirty cow. cow
0: and then they take your cow. Ugh,
1: you, I they, would rather buy an anonymous cow that I didn't <laughs> raise and love and pet and brush. But what if that for? cow
0: was even nicer than the cow you owned? <laughs> I don't have to know. <laughs>
1: yeah, it is what it is. I probably should be a vegetarian.
0: <laughs> anyway, maybe in the future we'll do a veganism episode and... I think we should. Decide what that looks like that for Jet feels us. too
1: guilty. We've talked about it.
0: Yep. Because, I yeah, I don't want to talk about veganism unless I try it and see what it you're worried you're never gonna go
1: back yeah Eh, maybe nothing wrong with that yeah yeah, it would be a great thing to do for many reasons for so many reasons yeah let's do an episode on that i have commitment in verbal recording (laughs) (laughs) that we will do it let's do it next time okay not next time but soon soon well anyway We are not experts, we are just fascinated. You can subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts to hear us again next week. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you have information to add to this week's topic, please email us at friendsfascinated at gmail.com. And if you have anything that you would like to send us in the mail, you can mail it to friendsfascinated at P.O. Box 997 in Pullman, Washington, 99163. We can't wait to blow your mind with more curiosities next week. You've just listened to another episode of Friends Fascinated. Thanks
0: for listening.